This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Good afternoon, family and friends of Radio K Pulpit on 7 to 9 a.m. Thank you for joining me on my program called Rise. I'm Renette Marburg, and we are the we have the program that gives you hope, wisdom, and guidance and knowledge when real life happens in the family. And we often discuss relevant and often unspoken issues in the family in truth and in love. And today we have a very precious and such a privilege to have Bridget D'Abrio in our uh, studios with us today. And uh, she is going to really touch on a very, very sensitive topic but um, we need to we need to speak about it, and uh, so I'm going to introduce you straight after this, and we will share her journey of a very painful journey of and the realities of adoption. So join us, please stay tuned. She has an incredible testimony, and uh, we just trust in the Lord for a, an, a wonderful um, understanding of the process of being an adoptive adopted child so we'll just join us straight after this welcome back and thank you for staying tuned with us and we are going to be discussing a very sensitive and a very painful uh, topic and I have Bridget Diabrio who's a mother of two and a grandmother of three um, and she's had quite a journey and she's a, a child and parent um, developer development um, coordinator and uh, you know she's spent many years uh, rectifying and restoring relationships and understanding parenting and uh, but yet she's got a very painful journey of her own and uh, she came through a very difficult childhood of being in a pretty dysfunctional family where she was an adopted child so uh, Brigitte, thank you so much for coming and sharing your testimony. Uh, we just feel that, uh, you know, this is a topic that not many people understand, the heartache and the pain and, you know, what what a child that has been adopted goes through. And uh, But we want you to just to share how did the Lord, you know, give you uh, you know, a head start on this, and uh, you know, how did he come? How did he find you? And what was the restoration process? So, just share that with us, please. Ah, uh, thank you very much, Renette, and thank you for this opportunity, listeners. I want to say to you that this is very close to my heart. It's going to be a quite an emotional time for me. It's the first time that I'm stepping really out on this subject because it has been so incredibly painful. And somehow, you know, I found that it's just not, it has just not been often spoken about. Mm. It, it's not sort of the topic at the, at the coffee table conversation or even from the pulpit. But, um, you know, I like the way um, Renette said that how did the Lord find me? Um, because he really did find me. You know, um, I'm just going to, to start off with, I'm going to give a very brief synopsis of how I was saved and what Christ meant to me. And then we'll go into some of the details of, of my life. 
So being saved has changed the very core of my being. It's poured light into my understanding, which previously was very much um, orientated against Christ. The Christian way, in fact, you could sell me any other spirituality other than Christ. For me, Christ was the epitome of weakness, failure, impotence. Christians were weak, they were blind, and they were allowing themselves to be led around by their noses, in fact, like cattle. The mad irrationality of all this reasoning was based on never having read the Bible, not one decent debate, not one piece of reading, Christian reading, and no determined investigations of the subject. It shows you how the world can lie to you. The house I grew up in was dedicated to atheism and Freemasonry. In spirit, it felt like a leftover slice of cold pizza. Um, yeah, icy and rigid, at best an empty tastelessness, at worst a repulsive, dangerous force. That repulsive, dangerous force, um, I felt that a couple of times. The neighborhood I grew up in was a mix of devout Jewish families and German immigrants who had fled Germany at the end of the war. We all made as if nothing had ever happened and then swore and called each other, called each other names at home. Mm. But Christ was pursuing me, and this is where the miracle in my life really started. And um, I'm, I just look back at this with total amazement and gratefulness and, and actually praise in my heart for God. Christ was pursuing me, using every opportunity to introduce me to the feeling of his spirit. You know, for adopted children, I didn't know this, but for adopted children, they need so much reassurance, mm -hmm. time and again. Again, you will say something once, you will have to say it 500 times that you will love them and you will have to show them the love. You will have to work it into their system. And so God took out of his own initiative, which is, of course, how he always works, um, at, a, at, a, at the age of I must have been about four years old, four, five years old. I used to sneak up to the rabbis. You see, we stayed in an area of town called Highlands Estate. Um, we stayed right next to Hertzlia School. Mm -hmm. And um, on a Saturday morning, I used to, if I got a chance, I used to climb over my back wall through the long grass, down the courtyard, and I used to hide behind a little wall that separated me from the windows of a classroom where the rabbis would sit and they would recite the scriptures and they would mm. sing the scriptures and this incredible presence of God. I didn't know this was the presence of God, but this love of the love of God surrounded me. And and this is how he started drawing me. I had no idea who he was. I had never heard of him. I didn't know there was a God who sent his son to die for me. Um, but I loved it. I absolutely loved it. You know what I also loved? Um, I quietly used to watch the candles being lit for Shabbat on a Friday at 6 p.m. in awe of what 
was sometimes referred to in my house, those distasteful Jewish families. Mm-hmm. And I would just sit there and watch those lights. And I would have been happy with any scraps thrown my way just to be part of their presence as they gathered around the table as a family. And then, and then one day I did meet him. I was much older, and he again had orchestrated it all. I met Jesus. I was 16. By then I was deep into drugs. I, I had all the behavior patterns that you would expect um, a child who has a complete detachment um, from their parents. I was detached from myself, detached from my parents. I felt isolated. I felt shameful, shy, dirty, um, had no self-confidence, all of those things. But anyway, I was 16. I had said yes to a church invitation from someone who was kind of tolerable. You know, as a, as a teenager, we kind of always need to be with the cool people. Mm. Um, yeah, that is, you know, I always put on a brave face and a charming smile. But anyway, she got me off to church. I can't remember much except that someone suggested that I go up as the service ended because I'd started shaking and I'd started crying. And I had no idea what was going on, but there was a physical impact on my body. And she said to me, I think you need to go up there. And I looked at her and she took me and she physically walked me up to the front. And I just repeated what the pastor was saying. That's all I did. I had no understanding of what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, the love of Christ entered my heart. I say the love of Christ. It was, I didn't know it was love. I had never known love. It was a burning. It was a fire in my heart that still burns today. I can feel this warmth and this fire rising up in my heart, in my body. And it it was just amazing. It was the most beautiful feeling I had ever felt. I had never, ever felt anything like it. Christ was not talking to my head. He was not speaking any words. It was He was in my body, in my spirit. That's where I felt him. I still didn't understand Christianity at all. So I was then ushered uh, to a little room at the back, and I was told, congratulations, you are now a Christian. And I was given a little book. Mm. And I looked with horror at this book. And I said, you can keep your book. I don't know what you're all about, but I'm not having any of this. And I ran out the church. However, I went home and I sat down. I remember distinctly my father sitting at the supper table. I was sitting on the lounger adjacent to the supper table. And he said, and anyway, where were you? Why are you only home now? So I said, actually, I went to church. He said, what? 
and he looked at me and he scorned me. And he said to me, oh, so you are becoming one of those little sheep now, are you? I said to him, you know what? I can tell you one thing. This thing I know, that this Christian God who you scorn, I have met him tonight. Praise the Lord. I know he's alive. He's not dead. He is living. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Wow. <laughs> that is so powerful. That is absolutely powerful. So tell me, um, and and then what happened after that, uh, you know, oh, that, gosh, gosh, oh, gosh I Renee. think, you know what, I think we're going to take a break and then you can share with us exactly what happened in the next phase. So uh, just stay tuned. We have a little bit of admin that we need to do. We have a WhatsApp line on 081-729-1657, an SMS line, 37988, a Telegram line, 081-729-1657 and it will be great to hear from you if you want to know anything about our programs anything about our, our, our guests uh, please contact us and any comments that you have any discussions that you'd like us to have um, but we have a fantastic uh, Facebook on 729K Pulpit I can promise you so much activity happening there and then we've got a counselling department on 021 Seven triple O option one, and just press option one, and we can see how we can direct you and help you in the way you need to be to be helped. And um, but at the end of the day, the Lord also gave me this incredible um, verse. He says in John fourteen verse eighteen, He says, "The Lord says, I will not leave you as orphans." I will come to you, and that was so apt when you said the Lord drew you. He drew you yes. to him, and he came to you. And um, thank you, uh, uh, you know, Brigitte, for being so vulnerable and so so incredible on this journey. So we're going to listen to you straight after this. Um, we're going to take a break. Chat later. Good afternoon, family and friends. And we have Brigitte um, in the studio, the Abiru in the studio with us today, and she's sharing her journey of being an adopted child and you know just where you've been has been so phenomenal how God found you <laughs> and it was so beautiful I mean it was really beautiful and but at the end of the day you need to share you know the painful parts of it because uh, you know we don't understand the parenting part of the child that has actually been adopted there's some extra voids that need to be filled and you know God has also given us you know the fact that he is our father in Psalm 103 and he has compassion on his children so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him and but at the end of the day we we have our adoptive parents that might not be 100% knowing how to parent either because they you know, also in, in that trial and error phase. But the child that has been adopted has a father, and that's our Abba father. But first and foremost, I want you just to give us your journey from, you know, the painful parts. Just share that with us and give us that overview. 
Thank you, Renette. So, you know, I've I've heard uh, a lot of, um, especially when I was touring, um, I eventually, it, it was such a sticky issue because people would want to know why um, do I speak English fluently, but why do I also speak German fluently? Mm. And um, initially, when I first started, I made up a story. And then I thought, no, this is nonsense. I'm actually just going to say, well, I was adopted by a German family. And thus, I grew up with a German household and learned how to speak German fluently. Right? I went to the German school. And so, and that was just an easy, straightforward, truthful answer. Mm. Um, and uh, I would have people inevitably approach me and ask me, you know, we've adopted what, what do we, you know, or our son, yeah, we've adopted our son and this and this and that has happened. So I think the journey of adoption is, um, it can be a very difficult one. And I think um, just to start with, as parents, if you can, if you want to adopt, check your heart for the reasons why you want to adopt. That is so, so important. You know, a child will pick up whether they are whether they have been adopted in order to fill a void in their parents' life. So in other words, if you if if you are a couple and you cannot have children and you think by I'm just talking very straight here, and you think that by adopting a baby you can then fill a void in your life, then I want to encourage you to first work work that void. Close it, um, close it and work it through. And once you have dealt with your own issues, you are ready for adoption. Because once you adopt a baby, that little baby um, has a void of its own who, who they really need to have filled. Um, but now I just want to swap over to my personal story. I don't know how yes. I got, quite got sucked into that. No, no, no. But yeah. it's very important. It's very important. So how how do you tell a child? How did my parents tell me? Um, well, it was really quite crazy because from when I was little, I remember my mother whipping out this black and white photo and saying to me, um, you see, we fetched you from the hospital. Um, you see, there's the nurse, and this is this is you were about six weeks old, and um, we fetched you from the hospital. Then they they filled in the rest of the story, which went as follows: we we actually wanted a boy. We couldn't have a child. We actually wanted a boy. And um, we were getting too old. You know, there was a, there's a cutoff age for adoption, or there used to be, and the age used to be yes. 40. Mm. Yeah, so um, we were phoned and we were told that, oh, there's a little girl up for adoption, and she's been lying in the hospital for quite a while. And mm. if nobody f takes her, she has to go to an orphanage. Mm. So your grandfather, I'm talking of my my um, adopted family now. Yes. So your grandfather 
said, well, why don't you just get a girl? I don't see what the big fuss is all about. Mm. You know, for that statement, I loved him. Mm. Um, it was very interesting because, because as I grew up, I can, I can see now I had an attachment with my grandfather. Mm. I loved him. I loved him. And you know what? He was not. He was, <laughs> he was not by any means accepted in the family. <laughs> he, was, he was quite a character. But um, I share now uh, something that really touched my heart, um, the way that I could relate to him. You know, he would have a bath once a month. Mm. <laughs> Once a month. Okay. Picture this. We're in South Africa. It gets hot. Once a month, my grandfather would have his bath. It was a huge thing. And these are my earliest memories. After the bath, I would sneak into that bathroom and it would smell and it would be hot. And I would peer down into the bath. And sometimes he had let the bath water out and sometimes he hadn't. And there would be this big fat grease ring around the outer edge of the bath and I would just wipe my finger through that and you know it's like it's such a silly story really but to me it it was a human story yes mm. it was part of the way that I could attach positively mm -hmm. with him. Mm -hmm. I'm very sorry you are hearing that I am crying. Mm -hmm. I did not have the opportunity to identify positively or attach positively to my father mm -hmm. or my mother. They, my father had a terrible temper. Mm. He lost his temper um, on a number of occasions. He was given to drink as well, sporadic drink, binge drinking. Binge drinking. Yeah, as they would say today. So at a very early age, um, I was subjected to physical um, abuse, mm. uh, bad physical abuse, um, which of course just made everything much worse. And it, it, as a result, I started detaching severely. And disconnecting. Yeah, disconnecting, detaching. I started avoiding. I was riddled with fear, a fear that I could not even understand or comprehend or voice. And everything was a secret because from the outside, our family was a perfect family. Mm. But, you know, I tell you all of this and, um, you know, the physical abuse and um, coupled with sexual abuse started probably at about four or five years old. Sure. Um, but I want to just remind you that it was at that time that I also became acquainted with the Spirit of the Lord when he started introducing himself to me and I knew that there was love. It, I've actually, you know, when Renette asked me to do this testimony, I've actually written it out in on two pages. The one is my life as it happened with my parents and on the other side I have my life as God intervened and as he threaded himself through my heart 
and through my life, an invisible thread of love as he took me. Um, I I had an incident at school, and um, I want to use this as an encouragement because God will always find a way, and he will keep on knocking at your yes. door. He will keep on opening your heart, and he will prepare your child's mm. heart in those early days to receive him in fullness later on it was through it was through a teacher in the choir we sang a song we sang a Jewish song remember I went to the German school we mm. sang a Jewish song and the translation was that we are looking for peace on earth Will you please give us peace on earth? I used to go to bed at night and dream about somebody who would bring peace and love to the world. Sure. So. And that is incredible because that is what you, what you found when he found you. Yes, yes. Was the peace and that he was the peacemaker yeah. of the world. So, um, but, you know, we get to quickly take a break um you know it's such it's such a beautiful story i just almost don't even want to stop at, at this point but brigitte we're going to continue with the conversation after this and um yes uh, family and friends stay tuned this is such an incredible encouraging testimony of how god finds the lost and uh, we will join you straight after this Good afternoon, family and friends, and thank you for staying tuned with us. Um, we've got a really attaching story by Brigitte D'Abrio about being her being a lost and found uh, child, an adoptive child. And, you know, she's really been very vulnerable and very transparent. So we just thank you so much for, for sharing this with us um, because it's so profound. And I think there's a lot of us that have been through the process, not really spoken about. But the Lord has also given me an incredible word. He says in 2 Corinthians, I'll be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters says the Lord Almighty. And when you shared at the end is the fact that there is a special relationship that the Lord has for those children that are in this process of being an adoptive child. So he knows about you. So I want you to share that last bit on the, you know, I know you went through a difficult teenage and if you can just share that journey with us and how God found you in your adulthood. Yes, yes, I will. Um, it was really quite remarkable coming out of my wild teenage years. I then um, uh, fell pregnant uh, before I married <laughs> and um, I, uh, I, my future husband, well, my boyfriend became my husband and um are you still married? Yes, we are still married. <laughs> and it hasn't always been um a bed of roses, but God has kept us and God is faithful and God is a covenant God. Yes. So it was very interesting, you know, in my wild, wild days of running and um doing all sorts of things. Um, going into all these really strange religions, how he pulled me back as soon as I fell pregnant. You know, he just really pulled me back. And I, I had forgotten. I had forgotten what had happened at church then on Green Market Square completely. Um, and uh, 
So he reeled me in and he got me back into church. He reeled me in through a friend who had just given his life to Christ, who had also come from a really wild background. And um, it was quite remarkable. He, We used to have lots of parties and this guy would take a nice glass of red wine and then he would take a second glass of red wine. And, you know, he would just... The more he enjoyed the red wine, the more he spoke of Jesus. And the hungrier I got to go back mm. to church. And I, we went to church and the Lord just started working in my life and just put a real burden for family mm. um, on my heart. And I subsequently um, went into training. I trained to open up a um, – I trained um, – um, as a as a as a family, and uh, I did a diploma in family and child development, and worked in that field for twelve years, uh, teaching parents how to train, how to work with their toddlers, and how to work with their children, how to show their children how to love them. Little did I know that God was working in my own heart, mm. showing me His love. Through all of that, that's really so special. Um, then, yeah, um, let me just um, pick up here on what I really wanted to mention as well. Um, I kind of lost my thread now. I wanted to share about the fact that the Lord has a special yes. relationship. Yes, yes, He's that's got to right. set you yes. up, I want, even though you were, yeah. you know, a, an adopted child. Yes, that's what I wanted to. Sh that's what I wanted to share with all of you. Um, I wanted to. Sh I wanted. Um, I want you who are adopted to hear this, and I want parents who are adopting. I want you to really hear this. God has got a purpose with adoption. It's a very special purpose because when you adopt a child, you are giving a child a safe and sound and secure future. You are providing for the child what often the birth mom of the child has not been able to provide. And Adoption is a God-ordained mechanism for the safety of his children. And I think it's wonderful, and I endorse it completely, even though my adoption was kind of went wrong. Mm -hmm. My placement was not optimum. Yes. Um, I still endorse it. If we want to, if we want to look at adoption from a biblical point of view, you've got Moses. Mm. Moses is the most perfect example of adoption I can find in the Bible. And here we see how our father took care of attachment because Moses was only adopted. His mom put him in the little basket mm. when he was three months old. His sister watched the basket until Pharaoh the Pharaoh's uh, daughter picked the basket out, and then um, uh, the, uh, his mother's sister, sorry, yes. went and quickly said, "Ah, you need a wet nurse, don't you?" Mm. And he ended up back with his mother. So, so I think here, you know, in that the Lord is highlighting how attachment is so very important yes. for 
every little human being. And I think that we really need to take note of. In, in, in my life, I have struggled with attachment. And this is why I love the way the Lord has just come back to me again and again and again. He reaffirms me. He says the same thing over and over. He never tires. He never sleeps. He never sleeps. Mm. He's Beautiful. always just telling me how much he loves me. The most beautiful thing is that um, I try to find my mum and uh, the social worker came back to me and said, no, your mum is not to be found. I can't find her on the population register. Well, about two years ago, I did a course and um, it came up that I needed to forgive my birth, my birth parents, which I did. Five days later, a friend wow. of mine friend of mine phones me up. She knows nothing of what I'm doing. She says, you know, for goodness sake, will you just give me some details that you have? Um, and I said, okay, fine. Well, I'm going to whip out my original um, identification papers, you know, because as adopted children, we have two Two names. Two names, yes. Mm. And this alone is a whole big issue. Mm. So I, I whipped that out and I said, well, look, this is what I can give you. Um, and uh, she came back about 20 minutes later. She found, she says, I think I found your half-brother. Wow. I said, please, please, please don't, you know, do whatever you want. Okay, fine. It, it ended up that, yes, she was right. And so subsequently, God has now started unfolding a whole new space in my life. And Good. your yeah, step for your half-brother. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also, in the last two minutes, listeners, I want to leave you with this. Um, I'd mentioned how God had a perfect plan for mm -hmm. children who are adopted. And I want to tell you that both my adopted that both my adopted father who was a freemason and my mother who was an atheist gave their life to the lord praise yes god. praise god so my father gave his life to the lord on his deathbed the most magnificent, he, it was the most magnificent work of the Lord mm. because I was constrained by my mom who was still alive. I was not allowed to tell him he was dying. But God removed a doctor on duty, replaced them with a Christian doctor whom I spoke to. And this Christian doctor allowed you. Allowed, no, no, this Christian doctor went to my dad and prayed with my dad oh. and explained. My dad accepted the Lord hours before he died, my Thank Freemasonry dad. Um, and then my mother accepted the Lord as well. It's, yeah, she was, she, she went into heart failure. I sat with her and I started praying with her and she said, please help me because I am not able to believe. And I said, that's okay, Mom. Jesus, we're just going to trust Jesus. He's going to push the door of your heart mm. open one bit at a time, mm. which he did. And she accepted Christ. Oh, wonderful. So praise God. There mm. is a special place and a purpose for every 
adopted child and every parent who Mm. has adopted, you have a very special place and purpose and God will provide for all your needs. Mm. You are on his father heart and in his father heart. Thank wow. you very much. <laughs> I am so in awe of what God can do. Thank you so much, Frigita, for sharing your beautiful story. It was painful, but yet so encouraging and uh, so um, uh, gave us hope again that the Lord knows exactly who we are. And uh, yes, family and friends, uh, if you consider adoption, just hear Brigitte's heart and uh, trust him, trust him. And we thank you for those that are considering it. Uh, It is a wonderful option and, uh, you know, you can really be a blessing to a a, a child. So I just want to thank you, Brigitte. Thank you for joining us today. Oh, thank you, Renee. It's a pleasure. (laughs) And thank you, listeners. Thank you, thank you, thank thank you. you. And I got is going to use you specifically in this area. I really believe it's your oh. time to share this journey. Oh, Renette, mm. Renette, Please. one minute. Yes, no You know, problem. it was so amazing the way Renette approached me because God had said to me about two weeks prior, I've been having issues with my voice, and he said to me, uh, well, I was complaining. I was saying, God, when are you going to touch my voice? When are you going to heal it? What is going on? And, you know, he didn't give me the answer I was really wanting to hear. Um, all he said is, will you give me your voice? Mm. And I thought, what are you talking about, Lord? It doesn't even work. And then Renette approached me about yeah, one and a half, two weeks after I, he said that to me. Yes, and oh, isn't so, that wonderful? Yeah, we are so, sharing so your voice. I took the big, <laughs> took the big leap. <laughs> but thank you so much, and bless you. May the Lord continuously use you and impact families that need to make these decisions. So thank you, Brigitte, and thank you, family and friends, for joining us. Uh, it's a, it was an uh, unusual topic, but a necessary and relevant topic for today. So we'll see you next week. Be safe, look after yourself, and goodbye. Goodbye. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.